and um, see what the Lord would have us here this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. A lot of sad Auburn fans I hear. <laughs> I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all of who have loved his appearing. Would you pray with me over the reading of God's word this morning? Thank you so much, God, for speaking to us through your word. God, we, we may have a, just a bag full of mixed emotions this morning. Things may change in our life, but we have a never-changing, eternal, and holy God who is always there, who never changes his mind, who never wanders off, and he's here right now. He's in our midst. He's, he's within us, the church. I pray, God, that the power of your word would bring forth salvation for those who don't know you. I ask that you sanctify us in the truth of your word this morning. And may we leave this place saying how awesome and incredible Jesus Christ is. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember, if you were with us last week, you remember like, you know, a little context of this passage that Paul is nearing his end, his literal end. He is literally being poured out as a drink offering. In fact, he won't be devoured by lions, but he will be beheaded by the hand of Nero. And I asked you the question, I kind of phrased it and kind of framed it up with, uh, with the reality of that, that you also are going to be at this point, maybe not in a cold prison cell, maybe not uh, being ready to be beheaded, but one day you will die. All right, so again, I'm pastor encourager of the year, right? And that, that's, a, that's a reality that just none of us want to kind of think about. But I left you with this question last week with, like, at the, when you're on the death's door, as Paul finds himself, will you be able to say that you have lived like it's the end? No one wants to talk about this, but here's Paul kind of giving Timothy nothing really new, no new revelation, nothing like that. He's just kind of giving him, like, these reminders. Hey, don't forget this. Don't, don't, you need to remember this. And he lays out this charge to him. Paul here is on death's 
literal door. And he's kind of bringing Timothy into this reality of where he is. Martin Luther said that there are two days, today and that day. There are two days. There's always two days, today and that day. That day being the one day where you will be standing before either Judge Jesus or King Jesus. And here is this reality that Paul has painted before us. In his final words that are written, and we can't say these are his final, final literal words, these are just his final words that he wrote that we have. What is it that Paul would want Timothy to say? What is it that, that churches throughout history who would read this same letter, what is it that he would want us to see here? What is Paul trying to teach here? He's this, this message of finishing strong. It's this message of finishing well. It's a gospel goodbye to his protege, Timothy. And it's this message of how you finish strong. And he's going to give us just five things because I thought three things were too Baptist for you. So five things that he gives us. And I want to go back to verse one, uh, if I can. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and extort with complete patience and teaching. What is Paul saying? He's saying, live with conviction. Paul has this serious charge that he's given. Like, this is a legal matter that Paul is, is giving Timothy. It's almost as if if Paul would, he could take Timothy by the face and say, listen, I'm charging you to do something that is very, very crucial for the fulfillment and the continuation of the gospel. You've got to do this, Timothy. It's just like, like when your kid, when they get in trouble, like I've got one who likes to throw things. It doesn't matter what it is. 10-pound weight, a little, like, noodle, like, it doesn't matter. He's going to throw it. If you tell him, Ezra, do not throw it, he's going to just toss it real quick and run. <laughs> and so what I do as a loving parent is I take that chunky three-year-old, and I grab him by the face, and I'm like, you're going to kill someone! <laughs> I charge him, I'm like, do not do that. Again, like, demon daddy comes out of me immediately. Like, this is what Paul, I believe, is doing. Like he's just wanting to take Timothy. He's like, Timothy, I'm charging you. Do not forget this. What is he charging him to do here? What is he like emphatically charging Timothy with one thing? It's this idea of living with conviction. Preach the word of God. Like everything he says in this letter, it's related back to this. Preach the word of God. Like this word preach when it's when it's kind of taken into context here, it's, it's to be heralded. It's this message that is being heralded out to all places. That's what it means. It's not just you're, you're talking about something and you're keeping it to yourself. No, he's telling them, you've got the word, you've got the gospel that I've been proclaiming, and I need you, Timothy, to herald it out and go, remember, guard the deposit. That's what this means. You've got news that other people can benefit from. Why then would you keep it to yourself? You, Timothy, I'm charging you. Live with this conviction to preach the word. 
And look what the word does. Because it must come with this. Preaching of the word must come with this. Reprove or correct. Rebuke or exhort. Uh, and exhort or urging encouragement. If there's no conviction, if there's all conviction and no remedy, all we do is just add to people's burdens. And if we encourage those who ought to be rebuked, we're just assisting, assisting them in their sin. Elders of this church, I charge you, preach the word. Dads, single moms, I charge you, live with this conviction to preach the word of God. Because the reality is, is there's another sermon being played. And it's not the biblical doctrine. It's the sermon of our culture. Do you do you? Like, and I know there's a lot of kids in here. That just act like you're in a Pentecostal church. You'll, it'll, it'll be okay. It kind of just balances itself out, right? There's another sermon. There's another message that's being broadcast in our culture. And it's the Antichrist message. They will either give in to that, and they will definitely give in to that, if you're not preaching the word to them. And then look what this other thing that he, that he tells us, and the reason why this is so important, is because this next point is live with discernment. Look what he says in verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, Timothy, you be sober-minded, you endure suffering, you do the work of an evangelist, and you fulfill your ministry. Like, I get like some of you are like, well, I don't really get this whole preaching, this whole thing. Like, okay, well, you're either going to be either preaching it or you're going to be listening to it. And so then the urging comes from like, be careful who you're listening to. We conform to this, this truth, this word of God. And there will be times where we will want to default into what is comfortable and what culture is telling us. And there, there will be a time in your life where you're wondering, well, maybe culture is right in this area. Paul's urging him like, Timothy, live with discernment. Know what is biblically sound be able to dice up what is not biblically sound. How do you live with discernment? Well, he tells us, like, well, you got to be sober-minded, right? Because you can't be drunk off of the things of this world. And I'm not just talking about, like, you know, alcoholics here. I'm talking you're just drunk with everybody's problems. You can't be discernment if you've got the weight of the world racing through your mind. Use discernment. Then, then he says, uh, endure suffering. That, that, that's helpful for us to be discerning. In fact, I would say it's helpful in a way that Christianity, the mark of Christianity is, is suffering. Now, I know that's a hard pill for us in the Western world in America to understand and to grasp. But believers now, like we're living in an age outside of America where suffering and persecution is at its height. We endure suffering. 
And he says, do the work of evangelist. That's interesting because, I don't know, maybe because people are dying and go to hell around you. You know, few things have marked me um, quite like this has in my life. You know, I've, I've grown up in this area, 38 years old, and, and I've had one time, other than my parents, where someone came up to me and shared Jesus with me. Yeah, I get like, you know, a lot of people know who I am. I, I, I get that, but come on, y'all. Don't, nobody ever, not, don't everybody know who I am, all right? No, not everybody knows who you are. Count the m- number of times where someone has came up to you and shared the gospel. I, I can count one outside of just my parents doing it and maybe my preachers. We were in the Bible belt, I can throw a rock out and hit a church. He's given this urging, like, like Timothy, listen, don't sit idle. Don't, don't get cozy. Don't get comfortable. People are dying and going to hell. They need the message of the cross. Do the work of an evangelist refuge point. And then he says this, and I love this. Many sermons have probably been had about this one thing right here. Fulfill whose ministry? Anybody else want to read it? Fulfill whose ministry? Yours. Thank you. Fulfill your ministry. I love what Paul doesn't suggest. He's like, I mean, we're talking Paul, y'all. Like, brother man's a beast. I mean, he's spreading the gospel, like planting churches everywhere. And Paul does not say, Timothy, fulfill my ministry. He doesn't say, Timothy, you see Titus over there? Could you be a little bit more like him? No, he's just like, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Y'all, like some of y'all, somebody should have did a praise break right there because that's like so relieving for us that you don't have to fulfill my ministry. I ain't got to fulfill your ministry. I ain't going to be like these weird celebrity preachers. I ain't never going to try to be like them. I don't have to be like anybody. Why? Because I've got this freedom from this text here that just says fulfill your ministry with your giftedness. Like that's so relieving for all of us that we can use our gifts that God has given us to fulfill your ministry. Then here's the other thing that he says. This third thing that he says, live with eternal perspective. And, and here's how we get this in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. That is an Old Testament reference. And the time of my departure has come, like literally. There's, you know, very famous verse here. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all of who have loved his appearance. Like, sounds like this guy has more victory in a jail cell than most of us combined on our best day. How could Paul, in a cold cell, awaiting for his head to be decapitated off of his body, How could he say this? Paul has eternal perspective. 
Paul has eternal perspective. He gives us the three things here and how he's able to do this. He's got fight, finished, and faith, the three F words. It's <laughs> good. Those are good F words. I better stop. Fight, finish, both of two are images of athletes. Some of y'all probably stayed up watching a fight last night. You ain't had no business watching. Right? Mike Tyson. Terrible impersonation of Mike Tyson. <laughs> the other dude, I don't remember who he fought. That's what he's talking about. You've got to punch your way through this. You have to fight. The other image of what he's talking about, I finished. The other athlete here is talking about is a runner. Like, you complete your race. Like, like when you get knocked down and you will, you continue. It's the idea of perseverance. And then this other image is this faith. It's one who would steward faithfully by guarding his boss's depart, uh, deposit. How can Paul do this? He's living with eternal perspective. He's living with eternity in sight. He's living with knowing that Christ Jesus, he will be reigning with Christ Jesus. All of the suffering, all of the hardships, Paul in a cold cell, doesn't mean anything. Like Paul's like, listen, I'm about to be poured out as a drink offering here. Like I love that because that's almost like a jab to Nero. Like, like he's not the one killing me. Like, I'm laying myself down for the cause of Christ. Nero thinks he's doing this, but I'm doing this as a martyr for the sake of the gospel. How could Paul do this? Because Paul's a fighter. Paul knew what it looked like to finish a fight, and he had faith. He had eternal perspective. And I love this. I didn't read verses 9 because there's like a, like a hodgepodge of weird names that I'm not going to get into. But look at verse 9, and I'll, I'll try some of these. And he, he urges Timothy, he's like, Timothy, all right, now, 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 do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Doesn't it suck to be that guy? He had one shot to make it in the Bible. And you're known as the guy who deserted Paul. That's how you're known for all of eternity. Oh, hey, Demas. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah, okay, nice to... He goes, all right, Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, and it's said that Titus planted 101 churches in Dalmatia. <laughs> I'm trying to get the most cheesiest jokes out as I can, because then you've got to put up with Judson's lame jokes and John's and Keith's lame jokes, all right? Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. Bring him with you. He's also very useful for me for ministry. Look what Paul's got. He's got some enduring relationships. Hey, y'all know, y'all remember the story of, of Mark? Remember the little dispute kind of separated Paul and Barnabas? Who was it over? Mark. Years later, look what the power of the gospel can do. Hey, that guy that, you know, we disputed over, Mark. 
Yeah, he's useful for me. Paul, Paul you list some people that, that, that are very unuseful. But look what the power of the gospel can do in relationships. It can reconcile enemies. And it can even embolden you to actually preach salvation to your enemies. Refuge. Live with enduring relationships. You know, the, the last word of Paul, it, it's, it's kind of signature Paul in how everyone would know that this, this is Paul. And he would say this, live with grace. He says at the very end, verse 22, grace be with you. You remember how we first encountered Paul? bad dude. He ain't working at Refuge Point. Alright? In fact, he's probably in prison somewhere today, if he was here. Had Christians murdered. Look what the power of grace can do to someone who is so stone-cold-hearted and when it awakens him turns him into one of the most powerful missionaries ever. That's what grace is. And Paul got that. Grace, what took me from being this menace and this murderer and rescued me, not only does grace just rescue you, but it keeps you going. My wife just talked to me. That was very odd. Grace just doesn't redeem you, but it keeps you going and it keeps you moving. This is what Paul is saying. Like, hey, Timothy, when you feel like the weight of the world is on you, when you just feel like just hanging it up, when you feel like giving up, when nobody's around you, when the Demas and all those other jokers will abandon you, and they will endure. That's how this church will continue to grow. That's how this church will continue to impact this community. It won't be because of a personality. It will be because God's grace is on you, and God's grace is pushing you, and God's grace is pouring over you. That's how you will continue to endure. The epitaph of Paul is right here. The, the, the writing is on his tombstone. And it's these three words. Live with grace. Grace be to you. Matthew Henry wrote, Since grace is with us here to convert and change us, to make us holy, to keep us humble, and to enable us to persevere to the end, glory will crown us hereafter. Because it's God's grace that not only converts us, but it's God's grace that continues us. Refuge, if I were to write a letter to you, my letter would read the same as Paul, although I don't intend to be poured out as a drink offering, FYI. 
But my writing would be very similar to what he says here. Refuge. Live with conviction. Live with the doctrine. Live with the word of God. Live with that conviction, refuge. And live with discernment. Knowing that it's going to take discernment because of what culture is going to throw at you, refuge. Live with discernment. Live with eternal perspective because the minutiae and the, the mundane of life will get you really cloudy. But live with eternity in sight. Where suffering may come, where hardships may come, where things just don't really pan out the way you think. Live with eternal perspective refuge. Live with enduring gospel-centered relationships. Paul's listing out all of these people to let you know that he did not do this by himself. It was all these people coming together that helped him do this. Live with gospel-centered, enduring relationships. And finally, live with grace, the same grace that God has given you. There are going to be some people up in this room that are going to need that grace also. There will be people outside of these four walls who will also need that grace. Live with grace. You know, this is, Willie, you all right over there? He's out. Um, I mean, my last sermon, really? Jeez. Um. <laughs> you know, I, I thought about so many things to say, and I thought about so many, you know, people I could, you know, just talk to and address, and you really just couldn't adequately think through all the right words to say. And but God has you here for a reason. And, and that reason is for, for you guys to continue to be, as, as Michael said, and when we had lunch, to be that petri dish of grace for the community. And just because I'm not here doesn't mean that we don't, we don't continue that being a petri dish for of grace for our community I love every single one of you and I will be praying for you daily I ask that you pray for me and my wife and my kids the dangers of the false theology I'm ready to counter it but it's also frightening for my children we're not going to play in the backyards of Utah in their glorious national parks. Okay, well, we are, but, um, but we're going over there to, to counter a false religion and to bring the light of Christ in an incredibly dark area where people turn to drugs because they can't live up to the standards of the do-goodism of Mormonism. 
we will stand in front of the demonic face of this toxic religion and herald the good news and we need your prayers desperately the tr transition for us is going to be difficult my you know as i've shared our our families are still here you guys are our family also and everybody you know i i would hope you would grieve i mean i hope you're not like rejoicing like oh there's the phone finally you know he's out of here <laughs> um You know, and that, that too will be a process for all, a lot of us. Um, and so we just need prayer. We need each other during this time. And so we're going to just uh, go into a song, and we're going to worship together. And as the band is coming, I'm going to pray over us.